This is the start of 2020 and it's time to go inside EMS. I am so excited to be with you. I'm Chris Sebelera, your host, and Medtronic is the proud sponsor of this Inside EMS podcast. Every emergency call brings a new opportunity to make a difference. Learn how capnography monitoring from Medtronic can help at medtronic.com slash EMS. And here's the man that's going to help me start off 2020, my good friend Kelly Grayson. Kelly, but even before you talk, I just want to set you up with a couple things. 2020 in April, 250 shows. I'm hoping by the time we get there, we're going to have over a, a million downloads of our show. This is going to be a good year for Inside EMS. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet, man. I'm 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 looking forward to it. Starting 2020 off on the right foot. New me, new year, new me. I'm ready to rock. Yeah, that was really cliche. How about that? So well, yeah, uh, but but the the see the the new me is not really the new me. I just plan to be someone else from now on. Oh, really? I'm thinking about you, but I need the ego injection. Oh, I see. How about that? Yeah, I'm already taken. So you might as well be yourself. <laughs> Everybody else is taken. So Christmas went well, I guess. Did you get that dog anything this year? The dog you uh, uh, you yeah, love. Shine, Shine got his his share of treats and oh, scratches. Okay, uh, Nancy loves the pets more than she loves me. So well, uh, all the all the animals got. Plenty well, they don't talk back. Is what the problem? They don't talk back. Is what the issue is. But they don't open pickle jars and reach things on the high shelves unless it's you know really tasty and you didn't want them in it. That then they can. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that sounds good. Man. Um, I got I got everything I wanted for Christmas. You know, um, awesome. including some things I'm, I'm not at liberty to discuss. But uh, it was a great Christmas. We'll get some luck in you. You'll be uh, telling us the next there you uh, go. thing we're doing. But uh, so you know, I'm really excited about the show. You know, we talked off uh, start off every show the past few that. Uh, Medtronic is the proud sponsor of the Inside EMS podcast, and we've been very thankful for the opportunity for Medtronic to uh, sponsor the show. And one of the things that you and I have talked about, Kelly, you know, a lot on uh, Inside EMS is really the tools that we use. And you and I are a very big proponent of capnography in the field, mm-hmm. and we think that it's revolutionized, you know, what it's doing for EMS, how it's become standard of care, and we thought that it would be great since Medtronic is sponsoring that we bring someone on from Medtronic. And I am so excited to have my friend, Holly Stewart. She has over 26 years of experience in healthcare. She started as a respiratory therapist in the Calgary Health region. That's the way north neighbor up there that uh, we don't need a border wall. Uh, she worked in all aspects of critical <laughs> care, uh, chronic pulmonology, disease management, and emergency medicine, and she wanted to have a more significant role on uh, effect on patient care, and she started her career at Medtronic in 1998, where her and her team assisted thousands of customers in implementing and adopting microstream capnography technology. I am so excited to have her here with us, and we probably met in the early 2000s, and Holly Stewart, thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Uh, pleasure to be here and uh, be with you both. You know, Holly, so when we talk about capnography, I think that this is, you know, something that, you know, EMS really has kind of taken the lead in. And we kind of, mm-hmm. we had this discussion before we started recording where um, the tail is really wagging the dog, where EMS has been, you know, the big user when it comes to capnography. But before, um, before we even get there, Kelly and I remember a time when capnography didn't exist in the EMS field. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of history of where it came from and how it was adopted. So really where it came from, um, in EMS, 
when it was first introduced was the mid nineties. Uh, at that time it was like handheld devices that were hospital devices that frankly, um, had challenges in EMS. Uh, so there had to be a technology that, um, was simple and easy to use, didn't require calibrations, could work on all patient populations. And so that's where uh, MicroStream was actually developed. And then in the early 2000s, um, the integration of capnography into uh, what we know today as the monitor defibrillators uh, had occurred. So that's where today all of your monitor defibrillator manufacturers actually incorporate uh, the technology into it. So I think the biggest thing is having a technology that's simple and easy to use and readily available is what really started EMS um, in, on that capnography path. You know, you bring up a great point, uh, Kelly. When when I remember using this, this wasn't in the monitor. We had a separate unit that we had to carry exactly yeah. that we had to carry with us. That uh, we were trying to figure out this capnography thing with another piece of equipment, and uh, look where we've come all these years later. Yeah, yeah, we it's it's come a long way, baby, uh, to steal the Virginia Slims commercial line, but. Um, you know, we, we, we started with, with colorimetric CO2 detection and, and you know, as the sophistication of, of capnography evolved, you know, we moved from mainstream monitoring to side stream monitoring, which allowed us to, to incorporate that into our pre-hospital uh, uh, monitor defibrillators. And, it, and it's really taking off. And I, I think, in, you know, I don't think we've plumbed uh, the depths of, of how useful it can be yet. Uh, I think we're still discovering new and useful, uh, applications of capnography, but what interests me that I'd, if Holly can answer this, why is it that you, you don't see much buy-in from the hospitals, uh, in using waveform capnography, particularly the emergency departments, you go to any hospital and, and, and the ER docs and the ER nurses kind of just, you know, blow you off or whatever. And the only ones who seem to really appreciate the utility of waveform capnography are the anesthesiologists and then, and the nurse anesthetists and the respiratory therapists. So why do you think the, the lag in, in emergency departments, uh, behind EMS, Holly? I think, Two things is uh, readily available <clears throat> capnography monitoring, so something that is right there ready to use. Um, so like EMS, you have it on your monitor defibrillator that you can choose to use it on the patients you need it. Uh, many um, emergency departments and other areas of care, uh, they may not have capnography technology available. That's number one. And number two is education and skills training. Um, so even as an RT, what's interesting, uh, we were lucky, even though I went to school kind of in the 90s as RT school, uh, they didn't teach a lot about capnography at that time. And so if you're not educated, you don't have the equipment, um, that's, uh, that's two huge barriers with the adoption of the technology. I was considering what the what the uh, update rotation or, or the the cycle for updating bedside telemetry monitors is, and I would imagine that you know you don't have a whole lot of advances in bedside telemetry. You know, you got NIBP, 
pulse oximetry uh, and EKG, and there's not really much to add to them. So uh, you know, a great many ERs you come into have 10, 15-year-old telemetry monitors at all the uh, at all the ER beds and, and the, the curtain beds and, and whatnot. So it may be that they just simply haven't updated their, their bedside telemetry yet and, and bought new monitors with, with the capnography capability. Um, uh, the only ones I've seen in the emergency department are the, the, the uh, crash cart uh, defibrillators. So the other thing, too, is they don't even know where the technology exists. So yeah. uh, they forget to look at, for example, uh, the ID pumps. So we have partnerships with like Beck and Dickinson. So um, that really looked at ways of incorporating capnography uh, with PCA administration or administration wow. of opioids. And so from that side of things, we have many uh, partners or original equipment manufacturers that we uh, provide our technology to. So it could be your bedside monitors, your uh, infusion pumps, it could be ventilators, it could be multiple areas. And so a lot of times I think um, the hospital teams may not even be aware of the capnography monitoring that is available. Uh, so what I usually like to make sure is that when you do a training or education that we train together and we practice that transition of care from EMS into for example, the ED or another area of care that you're bringing a patient into. So I usually do a walkthrough and I find all of the sockets, if you will, to make sure that people understand that you have the technology. They just okay. may have never been showed how to use it. So this might be another thing as you transfer your patients into the emergency department uh, that you can assist with that communication and patient care transfer. That's very interesting stuff. And one of the things I kept thinking as you were talking is from the patient safety standpoint as well. So not only do you think about it from the clinician, uh, clinician side of being able to use it or not knowing how to use it, but when we think about what it's really doing from a patient safety side, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So if we're thinking about, I guess the easiest uh, place to describe that is airway management. So if you've got a an advanced airway, be it endotracheal tube or superglottic airway, um, and it's in place and you're transitioning from your stretcher to the hospital bed, most tubes are lost on that transition. And again, this is the importance of continuous monitoring, ensuring that you have an appropriate transfer of care, that maybe the waveform you had on your stretcher is the same waveform that you have on that transfer of care and ensuring that occurs. Because if we've got a lost tube, it doesn't matter where it happened, it's just for that patient's safety, we need to have diligence in making sure we have that, you know, waveform that ha shows that tube in the appropriate position and being ventilated appropriately. One of the things I would like to see Medtronic do is there needs to be a study. We need to get away from, I mean, let me change the question. So we know that capnography is the standard of care, and everybody should be using capnography by now in their EMS system some 25 years after it's been introduced. One of the things that I think we need to eventually get away from is using our stethoscope for tube placement 
And we just need to go to capnography to ensure that we're in. I mean, because that's going to be the ultimate end-all beto. I don't know that there's any research on there. And it would be great if Medtronic can kind of spearhead some of that. So um, I think uh, some of the research uh, being done by uh, Dr. Wang and a few folks on the airway management side, uh, I don't know if I'd ever give up my stethoscope completely, even as a capnography mm-hmm. user, um, just uh I, from a clinician standpoint, I think it's always uh, good to have that. But for tube confirmation and continuous placement and how you're ventilating um, that patient, capnography is utmost importance. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. It'd be interesting to see how that comes out. And of course, we can never get rid of our stethoscope, but I don't know that I would use it for tube placement. You know, certainty in uncertain situations is one of the things that you need to do your job wherever you are. And it's why Medtronic offers capnography and pulse oximetry monitoring solutions that are designed to give you early insights into your patient's breathing. Act faster and intervene sooner. Find out how at Medtronic.com slash EMS. And, you know, this is like kind of one of our favorite topics. I mean, because Kelly and I really kind of revel in uh, the use of capnography in the field. And it really kind of gives the... Um, provider sometimes a little bit of apprehension that they think that there's too much. There's too much that they're looking at. There's too much that they have to decipher. You know, now they've got to look at the EKG. They've got to look at the waveform. And really, a lot of them are just paying attention to the numbers. One of the things that I think Medtronic really does well is provides education for the provider. And maybe you could talk a little bit about the resources that are available to EMS providers to learn how to use capnography? Absolutely. So one of the key resources that we have is capnoacademy.com. Again, on this, it highlights everything from uh, video training. Uh, It has excerpts of uh, different uh, case studies. It has uh, also online courses. Uh, in addition, we offer our customers uh, peer-to-peer education. So this is case-based uh, scenario training uh, on your uh, specific monitor defibrillator that is your, you know, manufacturer of choice. Uh, so we provide all of that at no charge from our customer standpoint, and we have multiple uh, delivery methods. So we do have also online courses or uh, many services have their own LMS or learning management system, Uh, we're able to work with them uh, to make sure that our content and education material is available free of charge to our uh, customers. You know, I'm going to go back to to, uh, the stethoscope being obsolete, and I'm going to disagree with with Chris uh, a little bit. That's, That's my motto anyways, whenever I can disagree with Chris. Um, I, I think that, that capnography is, is by far the best uh, tool to confirm tube placement, um, but it's not foolproof. Uh, it's as close to foolproof as we can get, but things like single lung ventilation and, and determining depth of placement is, is pretty subtle, even using capnography, and, and the stethoscope can still play a, a useful role in that regard, but uh, on on the topic of Capno Academy, yeah, it's we've got. Uh, I use uh, Capno Academy articles 
uh, as a foundation for a number of my refresher uh, online content and stuff. I've, I've been privileged to write for Capno Academy and some of, uh, some of uh, EMS-1's uh, other partners as well on uh, capnography uses and, and implementation. Um, Holly, one thing that I, I still we still notice is as long as EMS is, has been kind of at the forefront of using waveform capnography, um, we still see a significant percentage of EMS providers who still look at it in that patient safety aspect only and, and, and for vigilance and airway monitoring, but it's useful for so many things beyond that. And it seems like that's where the where where there's still some lag and some lack of buy-in as to, to how useful it is um, uh, for monitoring perfusion and derangements in metabolism. So what is there on Capno Academy that, that uh, kind of bridges that gap? Are, are there any specific articles that they can, they can look up and, and kind of bone up on those, those uh, uses of capnography? So our education focuses on three areas. So the ventilation uh, aspect, uh, the perfusion aspects, and also metabolic aspects. So capnography can give us an indication of um, really clinical states that are in those three categories. And uh, there are multiple resources. So some of our peer-to-peer educators have uh, the online uh, sessions that, again, are already pre-recorded or we can have those uh, delivered in the peer-to-peer method. So what we are seeing a lot of, uh, so you mentioned, you know, DKA, uh, huge advancements we have made in sepsis. So if we're talking metabolic disturbances, uh, so a lot of uh, services have also integrated uh, capnography as part of their sepsis protocol uh, with their SEERS or QSOFA criterion. So again, there's a lot of evidence that has come out, um, a lot from uh, Dr. Hunter and uh, Silvestri that came out of the Orlando group. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of research um, that we have regarding, again, DKA and sepsis. Uh, But we also have standards and guidelines uh, related uh, to uh, sedation, uh, seizure control, uh, altered mental status. Uh, again, uh, when you're administrating Narcan as well, uh, assessing uh, the ventilation status of that patient. Uh, so, again, it is just a broad group of uses. And what we find is EMS providers have to use it. The more they use it, the more they want to use it because they understand they can identify changes in the patient earlier or they can assess their interventions, um, how they're working, maybe improving or a deteriorating patient condition. Yeah, I think the we're we're just starting to catch on that the the ultimate indication for waveform catenography is simply a sick patient. Doesn't have to be an airway problem or a ventilation problem. If you have a really sick patient, capnography adds a, a really uh, useful piece to the diagnostic puzzle uh, in figuring out what's going on and to tailor your your therapy appropriately. And you know, the the DKA stuff, 
uh, I just learned about in the last couple of years and, and realizing that, that DKA is, is, or capnography is almost 100% sensitivity in ruling out or confirming DKA in our, in our hyperglycemia patients. But one thing I just, uh, um, have noticed uh, in recent years is, is the utility of waveform capnography in predicting fluid responsiveness for, for example, for those sepsis patients, uh, that we may be tempted to, to, uh, deliver, uh, fluid or pressors, which one do you choose? Is this patient going to respond to fluid therapy or do you need to move straight to pressors? And, and uh, trend capnographs and, and passive uh, leg rays is a, is a pretty useful tool in that regard as well. Yeah, and exciting that we're getting more and more EMS evidence uh, and capnography, more evidence comes out really on a monthly basis. So it's Really exciting that EMS is actually participating in research and having that evidence-based medicine uh, to incorporate into the protocols and your day-to-day practice. You know, one of the things I think Kelly brought up, Holly, is is you know I'm I'm still a firm believer. I'm I'm going to want to use capnography for tube placement, but uh, that's why there's no research that has said this is the way to do it. But Kelly does bring you up a good... You don't have to use only capnography. Use your capnography and your stethoscope. Whatever, whatever, man. Quit, quit interrupting <laughs> me. And, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I think you do bring up a good point is it's not 100% foolproof. There was a white paper that came out, uh, I think it was in 2016, uh, talking about preventing the preventable. And it would really be good if we can take this link and put it into our show notes but it really kind of talks about overcoming the barriers to using capnography and pulse oximetry during airway management. And could you just give us a little uh, overview of that white paper, you know, just so the listeners have something to uh, set them up to read? Right. Uh, so what this entails, uh, Medtronic has our EMS advisory board with some of uh, the top EMS uh, physicians and uh, clinicians. And what we talked about is really um, airway management monitoring, so capnography and pulse oximetry, uh, talking about all of the barriers, uh, also the metrics that we should be using as services uh, in order to do comparisons between other services in ourselves for uh, continuous quality improvement. Uh, so really, uh, this was an emphasis on airway management, and this came from our EMS advisory uh, board and has some key tips in here that any service can look at, as well as all of the support that are needed to overcome those barriers. So, Holly, for clinicians who, who want to increase their, their knowledge base and, and, and expand their, their background on, on capnography, what, what um, resources do you have available out there? And, and, and how can, how can pe- where can people go uh, to find that? Besides Capno Academy, uh, what else would you recommend? So uh, Medtronic.com forward slash EMS is a great location. Uh, Also, you can contact uh, the Medtronic EMS team uh, for further uh, support. Well, thank you, Holly Stewart. Let's try something different this week. I'm going to go ahead and close the show. I want to thank my good friend, Holly Stewart, and of course, Kelly Grayson. If you have any questions, comments, or concern, go ahead and email us at the show at ems1.com. And we look forward to chatting with everyone again next week.